Hello and welcome to, for fuck's sake, another Monday evening, another podcast, fan-made podcast for the fans, by the fans. My name is Jason, I'm the co-host of For Fuck's Sake. Whoops. <laughs> I'm the co-host of For Fuck's Sake and uh, joining me in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios, we're back in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios, is the man of the people who was away last week, but he's back this week. Welcome, buds. Good afternoon. Um... Just going to apologise to all my fans out there that were messaging me when I wasn't at FVS Live. Yep. Um, I must apologise for not being there. Um, things happened and I couldn't be there and I wish I was. It was absolute chaos. Yeah, it sounded it like it. One of the, uh, probably from a personal point of view, one of the, the biggest things I've ever taken on trying to organise all of that, not just the podcast, but the venue, the bands, the DJ decks afterwards even. Huge. And it was uh, it was unreal. It was really stressful throughout the evening and I thought the podcast was almost unlistenable once I finished it. I was really disappointed in myself that it was all it wasn't as good as what I thought it would be, but it came out in the in the edit that it was actually really good and I thought that it was a good interaction between the, the people that came along and uh, even I guess even Dave who was as drunk as a as a skunk ended up uh, contributing pretty well. Yeah, he's not here. Some may say that he's still hung over from FVS Live. <laughs> Probably nursing a hangover still. Yeah, I um I was listening to the audio um on the Monday. Mm-hmm. before work or after work and I was just driving just not astonished because I've known Dave for a very very mm-hmm. long time and I've had many many beers with the man but I was surprised at how lubricated he was absolutely and he's he's really he's an outgoing guy so he you know he is the 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 person you know that is the the light of the room or whatever you know he kind of gets around everyone but Appearing on stage, I think he was just a little bit nervous, wanted a few beers just to loosen those nerves, and uh, he also didn't eat beforehand, and I think it all just culminated into what you listen to on the podcast. Yes, he, so he, was, did... he was blaming the kitchen for yeah. the fact that he'd smashed seven pints before the, before the recording. Uh, I kept trying to... It did come out well. It did. I kept trying to log on to the facebook live mm-hmm. while i was sitting at the table at the wedding and couldn't hear a thing yeah the hastily arranged facebook live feed but uh yeah, you can't get you can't get the sound to work properly with the with hey the look phones. the room was full of passionate vuck fans and that's what you wanted that's what we wanted absolutely it was it was great so thanks to everyone who came along and contributed and uh, there's a, a lot of people who contributed throughout the course of the evening some won prizes so congratulations to those people and we'll probably maybe if i get over the horror that was just the whole kind of night of arranging it and organizing it and we might do it again uh, if not later this season, then perhaps next season, probably with a bigger venue. Um, the Loman was good, though. I, I enjoyed it. Dave, he's not here, obviously, as we said, probably still nursing a hangover from last week. But still, that doesn't take away from the fact this is probably one of the biggest shows of the year. We've got Archie Thompson, who's come on, and he's going to discuss the victory's woes with us. There's lots to talk about, and Archie uh, has lots to say about the victory and where they're at this season. He's been a busy bee in the media. Mm-hmm, uh, he's He's not been a renter quote, but uh, there's been plenty of publications where his quotes have been published in the last 10 days, two yep. weeks, yeah. Yeah, so lots to say, and it must be difficult for him now, being a pundit at the kind of the place that Victory's in right now, and how difficult it must be for him. Does he does he hold back in his, in his criticism? Because he doesn't really go after players or, or musket or anything like that, but he's going after, he's kind of beating around the bush a little bit in terms of what needs to change. Yeah, he says he's he's probably the most measured I've ever seen him with mm-hmm. stuff that, or heard listen to him with stuff he says. He's an ambassador. Yeah. But he needs to be impartial. Mm-hmm. Mm. Tough, it's difficult. Tough gig for the man. Also joining us, so we've got two guests this week. Uh, also joining us is Ryan Walters, uh, who owns a Korean-based uh, football league, English-spoken 
website called K-League United. He's going to come on to give us a lowdown on our Asian Champions League opponents, uh, Ulsan Hyundai. We're going to discuss the K-League and also the team and who to look out for and so forth. The uh, match review against Brisbane Raw, we're going to talk about that and uh, also discuss a few little tidbits that's going on around the league and a few other little personal moments. Uh, music theme this week is the K, or to coincide with the Asian Champions League, which is starting tomorrow night. We're going to do a K-pop music theme. And Buds, you've been the one who has been orchestrating this. Mm-hmm. Yep, K-pop. It's K-pop. a beast. Uh, so I think we just might as well get into it. It's a massive show. You're listening to For Fuck's Sake. I wasn't sure about this music theme to start off with, but I am into it. I told you it's a banger. Unbelievable. Let's start off with our first sponsor, which is Ambrosia Fold Designs, as seen on Married at First Sight and The Block. I tell you what, last year we were talking about how much I was watching The Block. This year I'm all on board Married at First Sight, the number one rated TV show in Australia, and it is amazing. Uh, drama, drama, drama. So get on to, uh, to that show if you haven't watched it already. Ambrosia Fold Designs, Valentine's Day is only two days away, and Ambrosia are offering... Uh, Floral designs for the uh, the big event. If you need flowers, fill out this simple form and text it to Ambrosia, which is 0422227906. So send your full name, your phone number, the Valentine's Day, oh sorry, your Valentine's name, delivery address or pickup, preferred delivery time or pickup, what flowers, the style and the color, uh, or you can leave it to the experts, the, your budget, your love note, and if you want to transfer the money or do it on a credit card and they'll get in contact with you to get that all sorted out. Mention FES to receive a discount off the order. I think that's a perfect opportunity. It's mad. I, uh, I left it to the experts last year and I had the happiest wife in the world. Mm. So get on board. Support Ambrosia. Support local businesses. Support for Vuck's sake. And uh, text away to Ambrosia. You can, if you, don't, uh, if you couldn't listen to what I was saying, get on to their Facebook, which is Ambrosia Floral Designs and... Uh, get the lowdown. Let's talk about the game. Melbourne victory. A disappointing loss. Um, a tale of two halves, as they say. Uh, we were bossed around in the first half um, after a somewhat bright start in the first five minutes and then uh, cop two goals and then the heads dropped a little bit, but towards the end of the match or the second half, it was a different story. We're pressing. I didn't think there were any real threat apart from that James Teresa goal, but came away with a 2-1 loss. Buds, this is awful. This is just three three on the bounce now, three demoralizing losses, and suddenly we go from having a chance at being second on the table to now realistically fighting to keep our spot in the top six. Yep, other, other teams are winning, and um, it's just it's going downhill at a rate of knots. Look, um, all intents and purposes, we started in the same fashion that we always do. Mm-hmm. Um, everything... Everything went down the right-hand side again. Surprise, surprise. Had a couple of half chances. Uh-huh. I think Borussia had a squandered chance early, and we looked the better team. But all our um, all our attack and all our looking good lasted all of six minutes. And surprise, surprise, it was a victory old boy that set the chain off when FBK mm-hmm. ruined what looked like a pretty disinterested Costa Barbarousas. And... Played a ripper of a ball, first meaningful ball into their area, and our makeshift left back, Lee Broxham, heads the ball into the feet of Macaroni, who's on his own, and our defensive line looked like they were almost playing a zone. They were just flat-footed and standing there. Donicky runs up to Macaroni, pushes him, gives him an extra yard of space, and then the old man latches onto it, and the hapless back four watch a ball go into the back of the net from the edge of the area. Mm-hmm. It was Melbourne victory defending in all its glory. Just on that left-back thing, um, 
that decision, when it's all said and done at the end of the year, is going to be looked upon. We, I thought at the end of the, at the start of the year, we thought, oh, we can get through this. Lee Broxham is good enough. And he's obviously been interchanging with uh, Stefan Negro. That's going to go down when we review it at the end of the year as being one of the biggest mistakes that Victory made this year going into the, the season thinking they could do without a uh, bona fide left back. It's breaking us. Mm-hmm. It's actually breaking us. How you can manage to go into the season with this game style. It just adds to the, the predictability. It adds to the predictability and it's just, it's breaking down because Broxham's not in good form. Mm-hmm. He's not in good form. I think the worst part about that first half was how we responded to the goal. Because mm-hmm. we didn't, we, just, no. <laughs> we kept doing exactly the same thing. Right-sided, predictable attack. Antonis looked a bit lost in the uh, number 10 role. We'll talk about the... Um, well, that's the... I guess the main talking point from the match is that Kev, did he make a change or was it purely because he had one eye to the Champions League tomorrow night? Oh, yeah, these were... I don't think these were Kevin doing unkev things. This was preservation mode mm. for Tuesday. Um, it's just mixed signals, though, because you look at it and you say, well, James Teresi is on the bench and that's a huge statement. I, I think out of anyone, James Teresi could... You know, play two games in a week. Surely that's not preservation. That has to be a dropping. Mm. The the only guy that you could sit there and say that couldn't really run out two games within the weeks, and especially two home games, was probably Leroy George. Yeah. Well, Valerian probably Bessart. You want to preserve, and they ca- those guys came off, so that was probably preservation. But that James Teresi substitution or the the him starting on the bench has to be a statement of intent from Kev, doesn't it? We've been calling for it mm-hmm. for a while, so maybe that one was. Maybe that one was. Um, Sanchez, we've been calling to get game time. He was woeful. He was woeful. He was awful. Um, I you spoke. Uh, yeah, go. I was just thinking. I was thinking about this over the last couple of days, and I think we probably make too many excuses for Sanchez, or do we kind of accept that you know he's he's okay? But really, when you think about it, he's a he's a foreign quota player. And at the moment, you wouldn't notice whether he's in or out of the team. Oh, he's an absolute and, shocker. At no stage of the season would you say, oh, we could really do with Sanchez right now. And that's a really bad attitude to have about a, a foreign player because you've only got so much so much uh, spot, space for a foreign player. And they have to be impactful. He's not He's not the type of player that impacts. No, he's not. And he's got even more of an opportunity now to get game time that since Milligan left, mm-hmm. there was a little patch where he played okay. Uh, uh, probably two or three games and he got substituted quite early. I think um, mm. what springs to mind was the Adelaide home game that we lost at Eddie had and I think Wellington away where he was quite okay. But as a foreigner, when you look at what the other foreigners are doing in the league, this guy's, this guy's garbage. <laughs> he's he's, he's inability to hit, hit, hit a 10-yard pass to feet is astounding from someone that's come from Argentina. And when he's chasing or when he loses out. He just gets violent. So he's, he just racks cards up, makes bad challenges, makes bad decisions. He's bad on the ball. And you can't carry a foreigner that's, mm. that we might as well have a state league player. Absolutely. Also, just having a look at his, because I, I wanted to see what the club saw at him and I looked up his YouTube highlights because you always look at the YouTube highlights when they sign and you don't really have any idea about what they are. But it's always interesting to go back once you know the type of player someone is and look at their YouTube highlights from a different team. And he mm-hmm. plays, it seems like he was more advanced in his previous clubs. He was getting a lot of action inside the box and, and kind of providing a bit of a spark that way. But he's he's just playing a different role and it's probably just typical for Melbourne Victory players to be playing outside of what they're uh, accustomed to. A lot, of yep. play, a lot of players on this team right now are playing a role that they're not familiar with. Probably, but no excuses. He was... Um Central to their second goal too, um, giving it up and Christensen. I think it was he was the player for Raw. Tackled twice. Williams got the ball, got stripped. Botiak picked it up, sliced the midfield, and Macaroni got it again. And you had Valeri, Sanchez, Broxham, and Donkey out of position and vulnerable. Brett Holman just does an overlapping run. And that's it. Goal. Mm-hmm. It seems to be at the moment that if you get a shot off against Melbourne Victory, you will score in at least one out of three. And it's just becoming way too easy and way too predictable. And the crowds are dropping off because of it. Absolutely. I, I, 
I knew that was happening. I knew it was going to come. I thought I had the kind of the vibe if you went onto the forums and you know social media before the game that this was going to be a low crowd and, and Kevin Musket obviously received the probably the the fiercest indication yet that fans are really unhappy with him and it's the the wheels starting to turn not with just you know the the kind of the fans such as us who analyze it and all that kind of stuff but also the average Joe Buck fan yeah he got shown up on the TV mm-hmm. and all you could hear was boos yeah boo 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 all game all game but punters are right now how many times this season are we going to be beaten on the counter mm-hmm. at home our home our home form has been shocking we've won two games yeah it has been appalling um half time we're up we're nine shots to five and they were two nil up mm-hmm. 59% to 41% possession it's just i think he's i honestly i reckon he's lost the players I think it's come to that time now. He started to lose the fans for quite a while. Um, it's interesting now that pundits are kind of... They're coming for him. They're coming for him and they're um, highlighting things that we've been on about for quite a while now. It is funny reading all that kind of stuff. and You think we were actually talking about this a while ago. Yeah, we were talking about some of this stuff in pre-season. Like there, were concern, there were genuine concerns going into this year about the imbalance of the squad and whether or not we're going to see anything different from a tactical point of view and a game-style point of view and a, just a, a change-up, but nothing. Same, same. So the the counter-argument from fans who are still in the camp of Kev mm-hmm. is that he's won a championship, he's got credits in the bank, but how long do those credits actually last? Because there could be, a, 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 I guess, a point where he starts to do damage to the future build-up of the squad. Yeah, definitely. He's... him, But also the thing is with trimmers as well. Like, this guy seems to be getting no heat and seems to be getting off scot-free and no one really seems to know what he does mm. and how much of a... Um, how is, much of a hand he has in picking the squad. Is that uncommon for any backroom staff member, though? Because they're not the face of the club. They don't have to take press conferences. Mm. So, Kevin, that's probably part of the responsibility of being a head coach. You probably have to take the fall for the whole club, not just uh, yourself, but also the you know certain to a certain extent the players and also his his staff. He doesn't take the fall, though. He hasn't taken any responsibility <laughs> no. for it. He's talking about mirrors the other night. Mm. The mirror. The players need to look in the mirror. So he started, he's always been a bit protective of players and the squad. Now he's starting to put it back. So we might be seeing a different Kevin Musket. That was the Kev I wanted to see throughout the, his whole tenure. He, he was a fiery person in his, in his playing days. And he's been a little bit more considered mm-hmm. in his responses to to pressure and things like that. Very cliched. Yeah. Mm. So he, I, I feel like he's a bit of a different beast as a manager. But the the press conference on Friday night, he started to actually maybe hold players a bit more accountable for their, for their performances. Definitely feeling the pinch now. I mm. think he's been very Teflon. Yeah. But now the, um, the Teflon, the non-stick coating is starting to wear off. And people are throwing eggs and eggs are starting to stick at the pan. So... Um, Watch this space. I think it's going to be interesting. I um, my preseason prediction was that he was not going to be the head coach at the end of. I think that was the outlandish preseason predictions yeah. that he wasn't going to be head coach after the ACL campaign. And I think uh, it's going to be a very big ACL campaign. I'm loath to uh, uh, predict the board making any moves. Um, but this is going to be a really big ACL campaign. We actually need to reverse our home form, and. We need to win our home games because we've never won away. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little later. But, um, yeah, Kev, Kev, this is huge for Kev now. Well, I said this to Archie in the pre-recorded episode, uh, interview we just did with him. The the parallels between the sacking of Merrick and, and where Kevin Musket stands right now is that only Merrick lost the grand final the year he got sacked, or the year before he got sacked. And then he comes in, has a, a so-so follow-up campaign, and then cops a 5-0 drubbing against Gambra Osaka in the Asian Champions League and the board say that's enough mm-hmm. and it was a bit of a shock at the time we weren't happy with the football but that was more of a shock than than what Kev sacking would be I would have thought yeah and he built the club and he was a double winning manager yeah like a double title winning manager so 
Mm. You just don't know what we do. Like, we don't... You have JP managed for the rest of the year? I don't know. It's all... we, we've been, obviously, staunchly against Kev getting sacked during the year. Yeah, I don't think that... Has sh- to be reviewed afterwards, though. Has to be reviewed. Mm. He's coming out of contract, so... Um, but another really dirty night at the office, and... Um, so bad that we couldn't even ask people for votes. Yeah. Which is a first for us. Like, we always ask for votes, even when we lose. But it was just the type of performance. James Therese scored a goal, but he wasn't he wasn't deserving of any votes. No, it was a peach of a goal. We should probably talk <laughs> about was. that more. I th- when, when you said before, was it tactical... He said after the game some interesting comments on the He said bold-faced lies. He said that it was his first attempt to shoot outside the box all year. I I think he's made many more attempts than that. Yeah, I think he's skied quite a few over the bar. And I think he said that I've been trying to keep to a structure, Mm. but sometimes the structure doesn't always work. So they were some interesting words. He's getting frustrated. And he's certainly in a World Cup. You're not going to be happy with starting on the bench. Terry Antonis didn't do enough to keep him out, though. No, he didn't do enough, but he's he's not a he's not a um, advanced at central attacking midfielder. He's more of a uh, box to box, so to speak, traditional number eight. But we don't play in a system that accommodates a number eight, so mm-hmm. maybe that's one thing Kev should do instead of trying to coach the instincts out of the players. Mm-hmm. But he was Antonis was probably our best player in the first half. I thought. Mm-hmm. Always looking for the forward attacking pass. Always looking to move forward. Um, pity no one else did. Let's discuss Josh Hope, I thought was promising. I've only a short amount of time to actually view him, but uh, he's been very, uh, very well, chances have been very hard to come by for Josh Hope this year. He probably hasn't featured for three months or so. I think, I think he featured throughout the whole international break uh, thing or the, uh, the time that we had players away for the international break. But he was impressive. Good movement. Uh, looks to have real football instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one that either has to start getting game time or has to move because he can't be um, he can't be stuck in purgatory. Yeah, he's um, he looks too good of a young talent to have either his instincts coached out of him or not play. He's he's just he's one of these ones. He, Kev has to start moving him through, and at this stage of the season, I think we've gone through a lot of youth um, for the ACL squad. So I'd like I want to I want a lot see, of players. Yeah, yeah I want to see more of Josh. Yeah, Kenny Hathew, uh somehow returned from the abyss. I didn't know where he was for for six or seven weeks, but he came back. Uh, I still don't. I didn't see enough in him. A lot of people were impressed by a couple of things that he did. I didn't see enough to really know too much about him. He he seems to. Get, no, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I was talking with Dave a couple of weeks ago, and we were saying that it's about time. We were just waiting for that press release that the parting yeah. of ways was officially announced. Um, it was just different looking at him on the pitch because there was no Bessart, <laughs> and that doesn't. That since Bess has been at the club, that's never really been an occurrence unless he's been suspended. Yeah, I would love to just see him play together on the on the pitch at the same time, just to see what it's like. Yeah, play two strikers. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. They wouldn't know what to do with themselves. Mm. But yeah, big raps on Kenny. I did, I didn't really see much either. Mm. And Jai uh, M, who uh, was a substitute, was an unused substitute, which is telling for uh, for Kevin Musket's favourite son. Maybe he's starting to wield the axe. Giant Ingham will probably get a start in the Champions League. He it's scored where, that one goal. That's where he's at his best. <laughs> it's Jai's tournament. Absolutely. Another, yeah, pretty dire performance for Melbourne victory. Uh, not the result that we wanted, but we press on, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
내가 즐기고 부를 자신감이 불만해 난 불안 듯이 너무나도 뻔뻔히 네 몸속에 파고드는 에너지 이상한 정신에 숨넘기는 천진 오늘 여기 Hello, sponsor coming on board with FBS for the remainder of the season is Hanson Migration. Hanson Migration provide immigration assistance. So if you, your partner, or your parents are looking to migrate to Australia, they can help by advising you of the best visa and help you navigate through the tricky visa application process. For a free consultation with a registered migration agent, give Nick a call on 04 or visit handsomemigration.com.au and that's H-A-N-S-E-N to complete a free online assessment. Mention FES and get a 10% discount off their fees. Joining us on the line now is Melbourne Victory legend, the uh, the highest goal scorer for the for the club and also a, a triple championship winning player. Archie Thompson, thanks for coming back on for fuck's sake and welcome. Uh, thanks, boys. Now, Archie, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of your punditry work. Every Friday I, I try and get home as quickly as possible to listen to your tips for the upcoming A-League round. and. Every week you're tipping Melbourne victory and they're making you look like a fool. And once again on Friday night, it's a pretty insipid performance by the victory. What did you make of it and what have you made of the season so far? Well, look, mate, to be honest, if it wasn't an ambassador role, in an ambassador role where they pay me, I would be tipping against them every single week. <laughs> but, uh, but look, it's just, uh, I think, listening to an interview after the game, uh, uh, look, it was Muskie was saying that uh, they just didn't match it with the, with the intensity that Brisbane did. And, um, you know, you got to give credit to Brisbane. I thought they played really well. Um, I actually thought that Victory uh, would have rolled over. But then you can see the quality that Brisbane have and the experience. And, um, yeah, look, if anything, it's uh, it's just one of those seasons where I've been part of it with Victory where it's just a bit inconsistent and... Some players aren't firing, and, and it's just a, seems to be a, a bit of lack of cohesion. And, and I think also, too, when you look at it, and when you look at victory sides of past, just over the recent uh, couple of seasons, is that if we don't score within the first sort of 20 minutes, we're kind of just butting heads and um, kind of waiting for things to happen. Whereas it's, uh, you know, but, but isn't in the past where we, we dominate teams in that first 20 minutes, score a goal, and then, then it'd be, then it would, be pretty much set it on cruise control. But at the moment, it just doesn't seem to be that way. And uh, I just feel like we just, there's just not many X factors out there. Like, you know, I, I look at Sydney FC and I hate saying it. And I've said it on TV uh, many a times. Is that probably one of the best Sydney sides I've ever seen? Or even probably one of the best sides I've ever seen in a competition, purely for the fact that they've got X factors all over the place. And now I look at that uh, victory team. And I mean, okay, any given day, uh, there's some players that can step up, but it seems to be not week in, week out, whereas within Sydney, they're just, oh, man, the X factor's all over the past. Uh, Archie, uh, you were quoted last week as saying the victory are coming a bit uh, predictable and it's hurting the chances of our X factors like guys like James Troisi possibly making the World Cup squad. Uh, how did you see his performance the other night coming off the bench and what do you think it is that victory need to do to change it up? Well, tell me. You tell me. Is, does it, is it predictable? I think so. Yeah, I think we've, we've been we've been <laughs> well, running, we've been running from that hymn sheet for poor, probably since last season. Yeah, well, it's 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 okay. It's, I mean, you can't take it anywhere about team selection and and what players you have in there. And I, look, I'm not a coach. I mean, I mean, it's not an easy gig, and uh, and, and this is purely my opinion. And and I think the fact is that. Um, Someone actually ran, uh, mentioned it to me the other week about, uh, you turn up to a victory game and it's, you win one way. Okay. If you win, you win one way. If you lose, you lose that. Like, I mean, like there's no other way. There's like, I mean, I think Muskie said it, uh, and I think Ange said it is look, if game, uh, plan A doesn't work, uh, plan B is to do plan A better. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's harder, I think, on a player because, when you when you turn up to a match and then you almost know it's like uh, it's almost like playing chess. It's like they know your move before you make it, and uh, and I think it's hard on a player because you almost turn up thinking, okay, I've got to make these runs because that's how we play the game, and that's how we structure it. But they know it, and then it's almost purely on individual. And sometimes when it when it comes an individual thing. Sometimes you might be might have a game where you, it just doesn't work, and it, at the moment it's just I just feel that that's the case, and um, and that's not taking anything away from 
what like Kevin's doing or whatever. That that's just purely my opinion. Yeah, I think it probably hasn't really changed since since you're at the club in the playing capacity. Yeah, well, the last that's couple years. And, and that's my thing. Like, uh, look, I think that when we won it that year, um, we had man, we had a quality team. Like, the, you look at you look straight across the park from the the back to the front. Uh, it was, it, yeah, it was top. So you could, you, you could play that formation and, uh, you could, you could win a lot more games than you lose. And everyone was still kind of in the league and other teams still trying to figure that out. But, um, and that now I think it, 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 they kind of have and it's, uh, they know that, okay, we're going to, victory going to throw everything at us by the kitchen sink in that first 20 minutes. If we can weather that, then, you know, we're right in this game, and, uh, and then after that, almost it's like all, all victories of um, chasing an uphill battle. But uh, look, I still believe it's only. I mean, there's still eight games. Um, we all know that previous seasons you got to finish in that top two to have any real chance of making a grand final or winning it. Uh, but I still feel that the quality they've got in that team um, can surely do it. But uh, also, the scary thing is too, we've got to go in the Asian Champions League. Uh, there's, there's going to be so much games that we have to play and death's going to be tested. And also, too, I mean, I'm talking a lot here because there's so much to talk about with this victory side at the moment. I mean, I, I look at Beth and, look, I, I think he's a quality player and nine times out of ten when he's on the pitch we're winning, he just looks tired. Yeah. He just looks tired. And, and the fact is that we're not getting anyone or we haven't got anyone that's pushing him or that we do, but we don't take him off and try to give a little, little injection of something different. I mean, I look at... Uh, last week, Kenny came on. King Kenny came on for what? Ten minutes. He already looked dangerous trying to get right in behind and stuff. But I mean, maybe it's like you know, maybe one game, give him a rest or just give it someone else a bit more game time in that position, just to just to, you know, even to freshen Bess up because you, we all know what he's capable of when he is fresh. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think hmm. the the formation probably lends itself to Bess being isolated and tiring himself out. Yes, exactly. And look, I, I think too when you talk about Truisi, and, and the thing it is too, it, it's tough playing in that ten position. I've played a lot of times in that ten position. I mean, okay, I get it, brilliant. But, <laughs> uh, but the thing is that when people and teams know that this is what his position is going to be in between the lines, he's going to try to get turns in, and he's going to try to play the wide guys. And and Bess is going to be uh, in the middle. So, you know, I, I can tell you what it is right now. And, and the thing is that they're cutting that, that they're cutting that ball off to Shrewsbury, so he's less effective. Yeah. Uh, because they know that's the, the game plan. And then you, then now you see Shrewsbury coming back into a deep position to try to get the ball when that's not his job. And then you and, and you can almost sense, okay, must be getting frustrated. What's what's a kid meant to do? <laughs> like seriously. Mm-hmm. The, the pressure the pressure has built up on Kevin in the last couple of weeks, especially in the media. I think Michael Lynch wrote an article in the Age over the weekend about the pressure mounting, and I think David yeah. Ludovic as well as uh, did that as well. The the parallels between where we're at right now and also how Merrick left us. Obviously, we we lost a grand final against Sydney mm-hmm. in two thousand and ten. Started the next season off poorly, and then a bad mm-hmm. Champions League campaign kind of signed to, uh, the end to uh, to an American. Yeah. The parallels are kind of. Startingly, just the same at the moment, and we're on the brink mm. of an Asian Champions League campaign. Does the results in the Asian Champions League perhaps guarantee Kev a job next year? Is it too early to say that? Is it is it a look, real legitimate threat? I, I, yeah. No, sorry. I, can't, I mean, I, look, I um, I don't, I don't want anyone. I don't wish anyone bad luck and or to lose their job. I mean, you know, it's it's a tough thing. You got to rely on eleven people on the, your whole squad on on uh, game day, and uh, to, to execute a game plan. And then if they don't turn up for that for that game, and sometimes that happens, you just you feel great the day before, uh, and then you rock up to the game and you think, man, I wish this game could be at least two days later. And 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 sometimes that's just the feeling you get. I mean, as much as you prepare yourself properly for it, so he's relying on all these players, and and then with that what we saw in that first half, I mean, that's not him. Like, that's that's obviously not his fault that they're not doing that. But uh, mm-hmm. I just think that, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, when when the writing was on the wall, it was in a very same, sort of same situation. I think uh, what 
kind of going on Kev's side is that you know he's he's a he's an ex player of victory. He's a captain of the championship teams, and and he's a, you know and he's a, he's got such a, a big following there at victory. But the thing is, I'm, I'm not hearing too much of that super super Kev <laughs> <laughs> chant from the cha- from the <laughs> sidelines as much as we used to. So, I mean, look, I'm a big fan of him. I I, I believe that. He's he's a great coach. He, I mean, the way like I played with him for, uh, under him for a, a little bit as, as a as a player coach. And, um, he's got a, the attributes of being a, a group a very good coach. But I mean, sometimes the moon and the stars don't align like the way you want them, and players don't turn up, and then suddenly the fingers point at you. So hopefully they can turn around. And and, we, and all this talk about uh, you know losing jobs is just a thing of the past. Um, enough about Kevin, enough about the victory. Uh, you're a busy man now, aren't you? The fans want to know, uh, what are you up to now? I'm hearing a little rumour that you might be uh, pulling the boots back on for uh, Moreland City. <laughs> yeah, man, that's just me opening my big mouth. I, uh, <laughs> look, I, I've got a good mate at Moreland City, Morris Bassetto, and um, he just said, look, if you're keen on coming to play, but if you don't want to, we still love you to be associated with our club because they've got uh, an exciting... I don't know if you've seen that new football elite centre that's opened up in in just uh, in Maribyrn on there across from the High Point. And, uh, I've trained a few times out of that session, and if I want, if I'm going to align myself with uh, Moreland City and I'm going to play, it's purely for the fact because that I I'm really excited about what that's going to bring to football here uh, with it, with the technology and everything that it has and. I just want to be a part of that because I think it's really exciting. And if if the football comes along, well, you know, okay, maybe I'll strap on the boots. But um, they might see me in the first session and say, well, look, Arch, let's, let's maybe put you more into the elite uh, stadium <laughs> than actually playing games. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you, looked in, you looked in good touch the other night when you were having to kick around with the fans on the ground, Arch. So I think, <laughs> I think maybe we need you to uh, strap the 10 on again and uh, get back on the pitch because yeah. you might be our X Factor. <laughs> well, look, mate, I, I've seen some good signs when Kenny came on. Uh, I just don't think we're seeing enough of that or uh, just something to change it up. And, um, yeah, the touch is not too bad, but it's, it's only in, uh, like, two or three minutes, mate. After that, <laughs> I've blown a gasket. The, the old super <laughs> sub. Yeah, super stuff for uh, like uh, injury time for sure. <laughs> well, uh, Arch, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. But we know you, uh, you've uh, got a busy schedule and you're off off again after this call. So thanks for uh, for coming yeah. on and uh, and good good luck with it. Whatever happens, whether it's Moreland City or whether it's uh, just the Fox Sports punditry. Thanks very much. Legend boys, thank you very thanks, much. Thanks, Arch. Wow, fantastic baby. With Melbourne Victory's sixth campaign in the Asian Champions League about to kick off on Tuesday night, we thought we'd do something a little bit different for this week's uh, match preview. And instead of uh, us talking about it without any real knowledge, we thought we'd get an expert in. So joining us on the line from Korea is a uh, owner of a Korean league-specific uh, website, K-League United, Ryan Walters. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on board. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I was just doing a bit of research, and obviously we don't get too much coverage of the the K-League out here. I was doing a little bit of research mm-hmm. comparing the two leagues, the Australian League to the Korean League, and I've noticed that over the last 10 years, uh, the attendances have, have dropped over the last uh, well, last 10 years and halved in, uh, in the last 10 years. I was just wondering, comparing it to the A-League, because we're struggling a little bit with that kind of uh, that enthusiasm from the fans at the moment, I was wondering just... In general, what's the what's the vibe in Korea like that like right now regarding the uh, the, na- the 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 national league, and uh, mm-hmm. how the fans are, are responding responding to it? Well, it's I mean that's the 
that's the million dollar question for K League is how to get more people to the games. Um, the attendance has been dropping for a little bit, largely because back in 2011, there was a huge bribery scandal that hit multiple teams, multiple league officials, and a lot of the fans backed out after that. Uh, back then, they were averaging, I think, closer to 15 or 17,000 per game league wide was that was the average. So it was doing a lot better then. And then after they just haven't been able to recover that momentum. Um, I think a lot of it for, for the local fans is that baseball is king here. Mm -hmm. Uh, the baseball games, you you don't need to know the chance. You don't really need to know what's going on as much because it's a much slower paced game. So casual fans are just going in droves to baseball and K league can't quite keep up in numbers. Um, but I think as far as in-stadium atmosphere, there are a couple of supporter groups here, namely Suwon, Jumbuk, Seoul, the bigger clubs here. They have really fun supporter sections that are on par with what you would expect in most leagues. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're... Yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, the, they're struggling to get people through the gates right now, and I think a lot of it is also that k-league desperately needs to hire someone to do some marketing um there there are interesting storylines in this league there are players that are a delight to watch play on a weekly basis it's just people don't know about it and and for the most part a lot of fans that uh, that i talk to or that any of us at k-league united talk to uh they're, they're more interested in watching sun on min play over for tottenham and watch the epl stay up late till midnight watch that and and they don't even know they can't name two guys on FC Seoul, for yeah. example, people that live here. Um, so it, it's a struggle for the league right now, trying to trying to get a local foothold in a game that's getting more and more global. You just said so many things that would resonate with every Australian football fan that's currently watching the <laughs> A-League. We are almost seemingly identical in terms of uh, governance and, and things like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we're very, very similar. Is it is the K League struggling to attract the high tier players with with the China money coming in and obviously the J League, which is still a really strong league. Obviously, the the South Korean national team are really strong. Are you attracting mm -hmm. any kind of marquee international players? Not on the level that uh, China and Japan are right now. I mean, in, in Asian football, who's going to be able to keep up with China and what they're spending to get the players of like Oscar? and Hulk and everybody else that's going over there. Um, but even like last, uh, last year about this time, there were rumors of Lucas Podolsky being on the move and, uh, K league was mentioned very briefly, probably in just some agent ploy. Um, but that would have been a huge move for the league because as far as like marquee signings, there aren't really inter internationally renowned names in the league. Um, but there is a lot of good talent here. Um, but the problem is that they're they're unable to keep up uh, financially with domestic players is where, where a lot of that exodus is happening. So a lot of Korean players, once they reach a certain caliber, they're either going over the EC to Japan or they're going over to China for a couple of years to just make much more money than they could here. Uh, but foreign players, we, we have talented players. They're just not big name players, mm -hmm. I think. So tell us a little bit about our opposition this Tuesday night at uh, Amy Park or the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium, as we have to call it for uh, AFC sponsorship reasons. What can right. we expect from Olsan Hyundai? And, and give us a little bit of a background as to um, how they made the uh, the Champions League and how they've been going in mm -hmm. recent years. Uh, yeah, so Olsan made the ACL this year by winning the FA Cup last year, uh, a competition that they won largely by how they played in the league, which, <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest, as a neutral, is not the most attractive football. Um, they were very stout defensively. Uh, they, they actually had a longtime FC Seoul keeper, Kim Young-dae, in net. He's 38 years old this year, um, still, still doing a job back there. Um, so their main thing last year was kind of, kind of negative, uh, just looking for that narrow result, uh, and, and it worked for them, obviously, you know, they got a trophy out of it. Um, but I think coming in this year, and, and this was touched on, on the, on the preview on Kaylee United a little bit, um, they've added a lot of attacking options. Uh, so unfortunately Lee Jung Ho is out. He's, uh, sometimes Korean international, so he won't be a problem, but, uh, 
they have brought in a guy that just goes by Junior. He's a Brazilian striker. He played for Daegu last year. Mm-hmm. Looked really good for them. And then uh, Toyota, uh, Yohei Toyota, came over from Sagantosu. And he's getting up there in years, but I think he'll be able to do a job. And then the the marquee guy that I think is just really fun to watch is uh, Mislav Orsic, or Orsha as he goes by here. He's a winger with pace, cuts in really well. He's an occasional goal threat, but he is just just a delight to watch play. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, so I think Victory will want to want to try to contain him if they can because he's he's a really dynamic playmaker. Mm-hmm. Now the K League season hasn't commenced yet. Is that correct? Yeah, it won't start until uh, March first. It's a holiday here, and we're going to get some early afternoon kickoffs, which is great for those of us that'll be outside in Seoul this time of year. Have Ulsan had much of a preseason leading up to this match, or would this be one of their first competitive hitouts for the for the year? Yeah, this is definitely going to be one of their first competitive. Like, well, it'll obviously be their first competitive one. Um, I think this year they have a little bit of an advantage compared to last year. Last year they didn't know they were going to be in the competition until Jumbuk got kicked out late, even after the group draw was done. So Ulsan was kind of like a rush job, and they had to get their preseason going and, and, and really hit the ground running. Whereas this year they've known that it's coming. So I think that they've been at least in the squad preparing for that a little bit more, but it, it's been a pretty standard preseason, just a, a few warm up games here and there. What would the fans be expecting of, of the team? Would they be expecting them to advance from the group stages? Well, it's a, whew, it's a tough group, isn't it? Mm. I mean, you're looking at being in with Shanghai SIPG and Kawasaki Frontale, who won J-League last year. So, I mean, I think if either Melbourne or Ulsan are going to have any chance in this group, they've got to get the points off of each other. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it's a lot to say for the first match of the year, but there's really a lot riding on this for Ulsan because... Anything other than three points in this group, and it is going to be a, a slog to try to get out of it. Because I, I just, they do well on the road, but I can't see them doing well enough against these teams to get out of the group if they can't pick up at least four points against Melbourne. Yeah, I think we've, uh, I wouldn't say we're optimistic about our chances either, especially considering, <laughs> yeah. our, considering our league form at the moment. What's the attitude from the from the fans in regards to the Champions League competition as a whole, I think from a, a Melbourne victory and an Australian perspective, there's a, a great mm. amount of enthusiasm when we entered the Asian Confederation back in 2006-7, but it's started to wane a little bit with the midweek games. It's it's fairly hard to draw a crowd. Is it a similar type uh, of attitude towards the, the the league? Well, this is one where I have to I have to really separate my own personal opinion because I love Champions League mm-hmm. so much, uh, and like midweek football for me, it's it's like Christmas in the middle of the week, being able to come home from work and watch it. Um, but it is one of those things that it, it's difficult for fans to get out to the games because uh, the Korean workday it's not really nine to five; it goes much closer to six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so trying to get out for a 7.30 kickoff is really a struggle for a lot of folks, so they just won't bother with it. Um, and it's another thing where I think casual fans aren't as aware of this competition as they could be. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not something that's, again, marketed well enough or something that the teams necessarily do enough work for. The teams that are in it, they do all right on social media, and you'll see posters when you're in the stadium, but it's a competition that it's just it's so fascinating to go to the stadium and see a team from another country coming into play. And, and I just, I think more people would be interested if they knew about it, but yeah, it's very similar that um, it, it struggles to get the attention that I feel it deserves. Yeah. I think that's a, the same kind of attitude that uh, most Australian football fans have towards it as well. I think it's it's probably difficult for either of us to give a, a score prediction based upon the fact we don't know too much about one another. Uh, but yeah. I think uh, I think it'd be a competitive game. It looks like you know, of the uh, other teams in the competition, this might be the the team we're most competitive with. So hopefully, mm-hmm. um, given the new acquisitions of Olsan and uh, and the mm-hmm. fact that we're at home, hopefully it will be a, a pretty entertaining game. Yeah, hopefully those two. Uh, 
elements uh, meet up well to to make it good. I, I'm I'm really curious to see how Olsan does up front because they they were close to being a really fun team last year because they were just so well organized. But man, they just did not have it up top. So it, this will be a really good test for them. Now, before we go, we'll uh, give one uh, plug to your uh, your website. How uh, mm. before we get into that as well, probably uh, curious to to know how you found yourself in Korea owning a uh, a Korean mm. league uh, English spoken website. Uh, so by day I'm an English teacher. Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up over here in Korea. Uh, when I moved over here for the second time, I moved here once and moved home, then moved back. Uh, the second time I found myself literally 10 minutes from the Junum Dragon stadium. Um, that's a very, it's a small K one team down South, uh, how they manage to keep staying up year after year, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. uh, so I was really close to them, and uh, I wanted to write about them, started that, and then uh, realized I wanted to do the whole league. And just the, the whole idea of the website was to to kind of stop this trend here in Korea. Like, people come over, they get really passionate about K-League, they write about it, they try to cover the whole league, and then they go home after a year or two. So the idea of K-League United was to get all of the people together as many as I could to write about the league. And then it's not one person trying to cover everything. It's 12 people, 15 people covering the league from different angles with one person just focused on their club. Yeah. Um, so that's where the concept came in. And then uh, here we are, this is our fourth season covering the league. And I think we have about 15 writers on staff right now covering uh, K1 and K2 as they've mercifully been renamed from K league challenge and K league classic. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it came about from following MLS when I was back home in the States and wanting to get more involved. And then when I got over here, I saw that there was a gap in the coverage and felt like there was something I could do. So absolutely, it's been really, yeah, it's been fun. You're doing a great job. I've had a look on there and there's uh, extensive coverage of the Champions League, um, especially with Melbourne Vitri, our very own Dave mm-hmm. has even uh, pitched in, uh, provide his thoughts on, on the match. So uh, if anyone who wants to, to check that out, it's uh, kleagueunited.com or is it something yep, else? Yep. that's it. So yeah, jump onto kleagueunited.com and, and check it out and uh, follow that throughout the uh, the course of the Champions League for uh, for extensive coverage. Ryan, thanks very much for coming on for Vuck's sake. It's great to have that insight and uh, we may even talk you to, uh, to you later on in the return leg. Yeah, let's hope they're one and two in the group, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can you imagine just all the Korean girls in the club on a Saturday night just twerking to these bangers? They go mental. They go mental. I'm going to get to Korea. It's so good. It's so good. I'm going to get to Korea. Hello to the missus if you're listening. <laughs> and the next uh, sponsor of Fuck's Sake is the Owl IT Services. You can give Pete a call on 1-800-THE-OWL for help with anything IT related. That's 1-800-THE-OWL because of the Owl IT Services, they give a hoot. Hoot. Pretty interesting listening to Ryan just then talk about the struggles that the K-League are currently facing um, in regards to uh, the governance. They have bribery scandals. We don't have bribery scandals. You don't count the um, the, 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 the failed World, the World Cup, Cup bid. Uh, so I guess we might have bribery, bribery scandals, just uh, just a different kind. And also the, the lack of marketing. Mm. For, for a league that you'd say is probably the third biggest league in East Asia... Yep, definitely. and have a really strong national team. Pretty amazing that they're having problems marketing the game to to fans, and they're losing out to baseball, to Korean baseball. 
So yeah. just like are like AFL or Big Bash, it's just you know they're fighting a struggle as well. Yeah, the nat- when I was over there in November, the natives that I was talking to, I was trying to get some football discussion because it was um, it was the cup final weekend that I was there, and no one really wanted to talk football. Um, I thought the Euro snob argument was quite mm. quite good too. Like mm. it's there's so many parallels and similarities, it's actually scary. So it's hard for us to really determine what this game is going to be like on Tuesday night against Ulsan Hyundai. They're obviously coming off a, um, a, a you know, off season. This is their first competitive hit out. Looks like they've, as Ryan said, made some additions uh, that might prove that they're more attacking this year. They're a bit of a, a negative side last season. So we might see an entertaining game. From a Melbourne victory perspective, Carl Valeri in his press conference today said it was just exciting. They were excited and it's a bit of a breath of fresh air. And I kind of agree. It's It's something to distract us from a pretty dire... A-League season and maybe it's a chance for Kev to to play around and play some more attractive football, Play maybe change up the formations. Maybe that's asking too much, but maybe. Yeah, but um, maybe these are the games and the teams and the, the environment to play that formation. Maybe we'll find that it'll be much more open. We're not playing against Australian players. It's going to be a lot less physical uh it's going and to be, that who know exactly how we play it's going to be refereed a lot different um you'd think that the standard of referee is going to be better but uh we're old we're old hat this is old hat for us we yeah. know that the uh standard of afc refereeing is not that much better than what we face here so um i just implore people just go down go and watch it weeknight football at amy park for asian champions league is generally really good i love it um I think we've we're going to get them at the right time. They're not playing yet. I think we found in past campaigns that we generally do pretty well in this game. Yeah, the first one up. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a one nil win to us. Well, yeah, I think this is the only opportunity we've got to to win a game in in the Asian Champions League against this team in particular. Shanghai SIPG going to be a class above us. Man. Kawasaki, uh, the Japanese teams are always very very strong. Um, our, uh, our history against Japanese teams haven't been great. So this is probably going to be the most competitive match um, that we've got. And who knows, if we get one, maybe the confidence builds up and uh, we can do something. I'm not going to get down. I've got AFL 9s that I play on, on Tuesday nights, but I'm sure to watch the replay. We're going to do a mini pod on... Um, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Oh, yep. shit. Actually, no, because I've got the AFL 9s. What am I going to do? I'll figure out something. Yeah, maybe Wednesday. Well, we can do it Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I'll watch the replay. So we'll do a bit of a mini pod on Wednesday. Um, yeah, I'm predicting perhaps a win as well. Uh, I think that's probably about it for this show. We've got had lots to pack in. Big and, one. And uh, we, I think, with the way the uh, the A League fixture pans out, there's no game for victory in the A League uh, until Saturday, the 24th of February. So we'll do a bit of a mini pod on Wednesday and then we'll take next Monday off and then I'm going overseas next Friday so mm-hmm. I'm going to be missing for a week mm-hmm. so I think we're going to ask the Destruction in the Box boys to fill in they did last time when I was mm-hmm. away yeah. and then I'll be back just after the derby and we'll have a, a new guest on um, hopefully it'll be tune. hopefully he's committed he's committed so hopefully we'll get him lined up uh, the old BWB capo tuna and good friend of Kevin Musket too yeah. So we're going to probe him heaps when he comes on. <laughs> uh, just before we go as well, we just want to give a, a bit of a shout out to Nadia, who uh, was on last week at FES Live and is a regular contributor to uh, to our podcast, whether it's just contributing on the podcast or contributing by cooking me food and delivering it. Uh, they'll be holding, or Nadia will be holding an event um, for her uh, son, Luca, who's suffering from uh, micro. Mitochondrial mitochondrial disease uh, at the Essendon Royals uh, Football Club. So they're having a charity day this Sunday from 10 a.m. Melbourne Victory will be there um, with a player or two. Um, Gulyan or Gulyan. Our our girl G. (laughs) Our girl G. I still can't get the pronunciation (laughs) right. She'll be there. Um, There'll be the uh, the whole Melbourne Victory set up that you usually see on Gosh's paddock. So the inflatable pitch. Um, a few little games and the you know the target and kind of stuff like that. So um, I think I was down there two years ago and yeah, you and I went. It's always good. Got told off by the uh, the Melbourne Victory official for for taking. We were taking the uh, we were taking too long trying to get the balls in the yeah, target the and kid, the kids were lining the up. The kids have to play as well. 
there'd be barbecue, there'd be cheap booze, an auction, a raffle, and an all-boys game. It's free entry, always welcome, and it's family-friendly. It's uh, money raised supporting the AMDF, the Australian Mitochondrial. I'm not going to get that right. Disease Foundation. I'm, I'm terrible with pronunciation. Uh, so, yeah, if you get on board, um, there's a Facebook page as well for it. So, if you search the Essendon Royals, get down. I think I'll probably be there. Yeah, I'm going to go get down. down. Yeah, so we'll be there as well. So, support uh, support someone from the FES family. That's all for this week. Uh, a big pod. Thanks to all for listening. And uh, we'll see you probably in, well, this week and then in a couple of weeks' time. Mon the See you later.